the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Welcome back to Straight Facts Sports Show that educates and entertains. I'm Jules Schmitz, accompanied by James. Where are you? James, <laughs> no James Jackson. Today. No James today. Jake Galley and crunching numbers to my side. We got Stat Matt. What's going on, Matt? What's going on, buddy? <laughs> this past week in sports, New York State introduced a bill that would pay student athletes 15% of schools' profits from athletics, equally distributed among all student athletes. Spain beat Argentina 95-75 to to win the FIBA World Cup, and the UEFA Championship League kicked off. Here's a fact straight at you. Since 2010, QBs have been the Heisman eight out of nine times. Of those eight, five of them had at least 130 rushing attempts. In college, how important is it for the QB to be able to run too? Well, I mean, a lot of times you might be behind a Patrick offensive line or just don't have receivers or don't have the ability to make advanced reads. So what happens? You take off, and that's what a lot of the guys, if you think back, RG3, Cam Newton's probably on that list, Lamar Jackson. Mariota. Mariota. um, And even the guys who, like, aren't, I would say probably – Winston is not, I would have to guess, and maybe even someone like Manziel is not, but they at least had that element of being able to move outside the pocket. I think a lot of it is the flash of running. I think it's the Heisman, I think, is an excitement race along with how good you are, and I think being a rushing quarterback makes you a lot more exciting. Yeah, but what makes you not exciting if you're a running back or a wide receiver? Because according to the Heisman Trust mission statement, the award is based on not only the performance of the player, but also as a character. I think that's that, that was You're like, that's probably BS. in the 50s, and no <laughs> yeah. one cares about that anymore. Yeah, that was At, Jameis Winston, there are allegations against him the year he won the Heisman. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, so, but back to that running point, the guys who are up for Heisman this year, the most likely two are Jalen Hurts and Tua. Uh, you want to help me out with that last name? Uh, Tagaviola. There you go. I got. I have Big V's pronunciation, not two as yet. But uh, right now, both of them, according to Caesars, are nine to two odds. But in my opinion, from the show that Jalen Hurts has put on with that Oklahoma team, I think it's his race to lose. Also, the Big Twelve, you can put up big numbers easily. Uh, two is going to run into good defenses in the SEC. Right, and just to go over some of those Hurts stats. He is 49 of 61, 880 yards, nine touchdowns, hasn't thrown an interception yet. And then when you look at the rushing aspect, he does have 370 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. Um, I kind of expected this. I, I don't think that I expected maybe to the magnitude, but I did expect him to look good within that Lincoln-Riley offense, and he's done just that. He looks just like uh, all the other quarterbacks that have came before him on that team. Yeah, no one knew Kyler Murray was going to be a great great college football player, then Lincoln-Riley turned him around. Baker was great before Lincoln-Riley, and now Jalen Hurts was good, but like stats that didn't jump out at you, now he's with Oklahoma, and he's just popped off the screen. I think if he keeps it up, I don't see why he can't make some new records. Against UCLA, he became the first okay QB to pass for 200 yards and rush for 100 yards in the first half. So I think that was pretty cool. It's a pretty good stat line. Um, And to to his credit, he does have pretty good stats as well with Alabama. 70 of 91, 1,007 yards, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions yet. 
Um, the more I watch this, I can see transpiring when we come to the draft where it's going to be these two guys as the top headliners. And if I'm an NFL team, I'd personally rather have Jalen Hurts. Nothing against Tua, but Jalen Hurts in just his college career has faced a ton of adversity uh, and a ton of NFL level talent to the point where if I'm an NFL team picking at the top of the draft, I at least know that if something goes south, this guy has handled adversity before. I think Hertz is a safer pick. You know what his floor is, but Tua has the most potential. So it depends what you're kind of looking at. Speaking of potential, though, I know we're focusing on the QBs right now, but if you you had to pick one person that's not a QB to receive the award, who would it be? Yeah, there's a couple running backs who I like. There's also some receivers that you could maybe deem worthy. Um, Personally, I think Travis Etienne has had – or ETN or however you pronounce his last name. It's just like the letters E and then G and then N. Okay. He's had um, a really good season so far, but – being the Clemson fan you are, I won't steal your thunder. <laughs> um, I think DeAndre Swift, while he hasn't looked phenomenal, he's proven to me that he is capable of putting up huge numbers because he's a great receiver of the football as well. And I think if Georgia starts to lean on him more heavily, I could see him possibly... I, I like. I, I just don't think he can win, but if I had to pick a non-QB, I It'd would probably... Him. It's just so you? difficult for wide receivers to win Heisman. Yeah. Right. It's always quarterbacks and running backs and then a random, like, defensive back like Charles Woodson. Listen to this. The of the 78 Heisman Trophy winners, only two of them are wide receivers being Tim Brown from Notre Dame in 1987 and Desmond Howard from Michigan in 1991. Yep, and those are two pretty good guys yeah. right there. Um, before we move on to uh, some of... The college action this week. Another guy who I just want to touch on real quickly is LSU's Joe Burrow. He's in his fifth year in college, but he's having a very, very strong season. 75 of 90, uh, 100, or excuse me, 1,122 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, and to me, he proved himself in that game versus Texas. Yeah, 473 passing yards every time Texas tried to come back burrow just leave him down to the touchdown to go up by nine again and again and again then obviously that third and 18 play that clinched it he's been fantastic i think his path through the heisman is through beating alabama yeah that, I, think, that would I, think, I think that would make him the favorite and that's not going to happen right <laughs> <laughs> all right well here i want your opinion now on what will happen when michigan takes on wisconsin number 11 michigan versus number 13 wisconsin it's a little shocking to me that Wisconsin's actually the lower-ranked team. You guys know I don't like... What, is it Jim Harbaugh there? I don't like Jim Harbaugh. He almost choked it against Army. I had to go to two overtimes. Who do you think is going to win that game? I have to go with Wisconsin. They have... New, after finally getting rid of Hornybrook, I like Hornybrook. I like him as a guy. They had to get rid of him. He's local, I think, too. Yeah, he's local. I, I went to... I, I graduated with his sister from high school. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. cool. Um... And they obviously have one of the best running backs in football, um, in college football, with Jonathan Taylor. He's averaged 2,000 yards per season the last two seasons. He's been unbelievable. And Michigan just has a tendency to lose big games under Harbaugh. It happens all the time. I like (laughs) Harbaugh. He's... But it seems like he just has a ceiling everywhere he goes. He went to Stanford, was able to do good, and then couldn't get him over the hump with luck. Went to the 49ers, almost got him there, but couldn't. Went to Michigan, turned around the program, but hasn't been able to win any huge games. Yeah, and, I mean, another indicator for me is the fact Wisconsin hasn't let up a point this year. They have 110 points for and zero points against. 
they're who I'm going to be betting on. It'll be a good game. Uh, but right now, Wisconsin's actually favored in terms of betting um, by three and a half, I think. So. I think it's a toss-up. I think it's going to be, yeah, the, something close to that. I really do. I, I think Michigan's going to take it home now. I think it's going to be old-school Big Ten, something like 14-10 style game. Yeah, I'm definitely keying in on Jonathan Taylor. Um because I think, as you said, he's one of the better running backs that's going to be out there coming into the NFL. But let's move on now to the NFL, as I was just speaking of. What is the biggest surprise through two weeks? For me, is I downplayed the Colts' chances, and they've surprised me. They're 1-1, one one, but they really could have beaten the Chargers in Week 1, and they had a big road divisional win against Tennessee last week. I, they'll, they'll be contending for that division along with probably the th- the other two other teams not named Jacksonville. Right. Joel, what do you think? On or off the field. Mm, give me off the field. I, I want to say, part of me thinks it is surprising. Part of me thinks this should have happened a long time ago, the whole Eli Benjamin thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of on the field. And we'll get to that in a little bit. That was a bit of a surprise um, announced earlier this week about Daniel Jones starting. But for me, I would say the way that the NFL players as a whole, and this is kind of off the field, have used more leverage in this season than I've seen ever before. Le'Veon Bell seems to have started a trend almost where players who are unhappy with their current situations, whether that's holding out, whether that's saying that I want to trade, we've seen it already. I see where you go with this, Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey, (laughs) Minka Fitzpatrick, who we'll touch on when we touch on the Pittsburgh Steelers. All of these guys are trying to force their way out of current situations, which is totally non-status quo for the NFL. Yeah, yeah it, but it, you ha- you have some pull if you're I like also it. an all pro in in your second year and have only made two Pro Bowls. Start like I mean, come on, you have a little bit of pull. And in a, in a league where you're battering your brains, I with Minka Fitzpatrick, who would want to play with the Dolphins, knowing that you're just battering your brain for a team that doesn't want you to try. Right, and then so right uh, two years from now, when you're all busted up because you're on a terrible team, they're like, look, we're not going to pay you big money. We're actually going to cut you, but thank you for being on our team while we sucked. Um, so yeah, I can't blame him for, for getting traded. It was a little bit of a shocker that's, that he went to the Steelers of all teams, but um, before we get into some other teams, I think that the Jalen Ramsey trade will likely mirror the Khalil Mack trade, um, especially considering I think shutdown corner is one of like the f- four most important positions in the NFL between tackle quarterback, um, defensive end maybe, and a shutdown corner. I mean, Ramsey, as you said, he's been great since he entered the NFL and he's only going to get better going forward. Yeah, he is going to make I it most likely team is going to go to according to the odds are the Chiefs. If he goes to the Chiefs, I think they're the favorite. You lock up Super Bowl. The Patriots are always there, right. but it, their one thing is they need someone to shut down people, and Jalen Ramsey will do that immediately. And Ramsey clearly has an issue with Doug Marone. I think a lot of it it's kind of like a I blame you for not winning the AFC title game kind of situation, and obviously not challenging. And they had that whole argument last week, kind of was a tipping point. But I think if he's on a good team, he'll behave himself fine. Yeah, I think he's just kind of testing his limits to see how much he can get away with. But at the same time, I think he does want to be traded. He can make a claim for being the best cornerback right now. And the Jags won a first-round pick, and I think that's a very doable request. I think they may even have 
They'll get multiple. Two. Right. Yeah. Minka got Minka Fitzpatrick was got one first round pick, and he's mm. a much better player than Minka Fitzpatrick. Right. You look at the Khalil Mack trade. That was two first round picks and a third rounder. Um, and then not only on top of that, whatever team trades for him is going to have to re-sign him to a humongous. I can't even imagine. What do you think he's going to get per year? Uh, I'm going to guess twenty. 20. I, I could see him getting in the 20 to 22 range, which is like just mind boggling for one singular defensive player. I think player. it's going to be a little less than that. I think he's going to get somewhere around like 18 or 17. Because here's the thing is that if you're trading for him, he's going to have a lot of leverage again because now That's he true. knows that yeah. you gave up a shit ton of assets to bring him in and you're not going to let him walk for nothing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. There is a small chance that he still smooths things over with Doug Marone. I think they met today, and Doug Marone was telling the press that it went well, but he's still formally re- uh, requested to be traded, so that's never a good thing. Um, a lot of drama in the in the NFL this season. There is, which is good. It's kind of like t- the NBA. They it's love a little it. Trust me, the NFL loves this, but something that New York... Um, actually, I don't really know how New York feels. <laughs> Listening to WFAN, <laughs> I think it's been a little bit back and forth, but Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes... He got the call. Eli Manning has been benched after two games, and Daniel Jones will start the third game. What are your guys' reactions to that? They really didn't want Eli to have a losing record. No. (laughs) No, they couldn't have it. They couldn't have it happen. He's sitting at 116 and 116 right now. I was hoping for one last go at the Pats, and then they'd bench him, but they just did not want him to have a losing record. When I think of Eli Manning, I think just good enough with his experiences, just getting by by hair every single time. But in his defense, he went through many transitions throughout his last couple seasons with the team. Five different offensive coordinators being some of which of the things he had to deal with. On-field legacy will always be complex, I think, but it's one of those things where it's hard to compare with other teams just for the fact that there haven't been that many, as many transitions with other teams, I think, is fair to say. His value is that if you're a decent quarterback that can stay healthy for 15 years and you have a good GM, you can win a Super Bowl or two. Right. I he think never missed time. Yeah. Like that. That's why people point to his stats. And it's like, yeah, he's been, and he had some of the greatest postseason moments ever. He was incredibly clutch throughout those two Super Bowl wins and their other playoff runs. But. If you look at his last five years, I don't know if there's ever been a quarterback who is in the Hall of Fame who has had a worse five-year stretch than Eli Manning has. So, like, if he retired five years ago, he probably, in my opinion, would have a better chance at, at making it. My thing is, at his peak, he was probably... 2011 is probably his best year. I think he was probably like the eighth best quarterback in the league. And that was his peak. And if your peak is the eighth best quarterback in the league, <laughs> so you're not a Hall you, of Famer. I was just going to ask you, do you think he's no. Hall of Fame worthy? I, no. uh, I, I think he's Vinny Testaverde with two accidental Super Bowls. So, like, here's what, how I'll put it. I think he, it's funny because he and Phillip Rivers are very similar. They were traded for each other um, before they even played a game in the NFL. And... If I had to take one, considering Eli Manning has two Super Bowls, I would still take Phillip Rivers' career just because I think his peak and his stretch run of that peak is better than Eli Manning's. Phillip Rivers' career average pass rating is higher than Eli Manning's career high pass rating. Right. So, I mean, that, that kind of closes and the book e- on Eli's that Eli's pass rating in the playoffs is only slightly higher than Rivers' pass rating in the playoffs. So, then what do we think about... Danny Dimes. What do we think about Daniel Jones? How's he going to do? I I think it's a fresh face in New York, and that's exactly what they need. And I think he's really pumped to, you know, carry on the 
essentially legacy in New York because it hasn't the production hasn't been there in a really long time and I think it's a he's excited to get out there and we'll see what happens. I think he starts out hot, two really good games off the bat in New York, Mita flips out, and then he's just a bust. <laughs> yeah, the, I, think that, um, I think that makes the most sense. You know who's really happy with this change is Saquon Barkley fantasy owners, um, because Saquon Barkley is now going to get even more dump downs than he was already getting with Eli Manning. Um, granted, that take has kind of been proven a little wrong. Uh, I formerly stated how much I love Naeem Hines, and Naeem Hines has not done very well this year for me in fantasy. So, I don't know. The jury is still out on that. But as you guys mentioned earlier, Big Ben hurt his elbow, uh, UCL tear, I believe, and he'll be out for the entire year. Uh, Mason Rudolph will now be taking over in his stead. Does Pittsburgh have any chance, they're already owing to, do they have any chance at making the playoffs? Well, they think they do because they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's, that's such a head scratcher. It's nuts. I think if everything goes right, they might go 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they've had success when Ben's missed time in the past, like playing like Charlie Batch or Byron Left, which like Dennis Dixon for a little bit. But this is 14 games. If Fitzpatrick it's a long be- time. It is. It's, it's a very long time, and it's a long season. But if Fitzpatrick becomes the next Palomalo and Rudolph ends up sliding into place nicely for Roethlisberger, I see good things happening in Pittsburgh. It's a big ask to say if he becomes a Hall of Fame mm-hmm. safety. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I really like Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, he's like one of the – best all-around defensive actually you know what maybe I shouldn't say that he is a very great all-around defensive prospect from Alabama one of the better ones they put out in recent years um, and I think solid he, B plus player right and I think he can he can be a very good player however this trade suggests that they're either expecting to do well this year or even worse in my opinion they expect Big Ben to come back and still be their quarterback next year this will be his first time since I, week seven he's missing a game in fr- since 2016 wow which yeah. is crazy. I think Ben I don't think Ben's gonna retire because I don't think mm-hmm. players like to go out on injuries right that's a good point and Charles he's, Barkley famously blew out his knee in 99 and worked his way back through rehab just so he could have one more rebound he came back the last game of the season got a rebound and then left right I think who did I see I believe it was Steven Jackson who like all these years hadn't been retired, or uh, this maybe was a year and a half ago, and I saw he officially retired as a Ram, and he took a fi- the final handoff in khakis at their <laughs> practice facility. So you're right about that. Players don't like to go out. Um, he was in, interviewed today. He said he, he's he got a lot left to give being 37 uh, years old. I don't know how I'd feel about that. That's what he Steelers said. Fan. He did leave the league passing last year, so maybe he does. But another big quarterback who was injured, maybe not big in stature, but big in talent, Drew Brees is going to be out for six weeks. Um, he got his hand crushed beneath the almighty force of Aaron Donald's hand in that game on Sunday. Can the Saints' offense still be as dynamic as they were? without Drew Brees? I think the way Drew Brees does anticipation passes is unmatched, and that's going to be a big miss in their offense over the next six games. But Bridgewater is one of the better backups in the league, and I think he can hold the ship. I think the problem is it's probably cost them home field advantage or a bye, and I think for them to win the Super Bowl or make the Super Bowl, they need to have it in the dome. I think that's a good way to put it, just getting by and holding down the fort while he's gone. I think they're expecting him to come back week six. Brady Quinn doesn't think so. He was interviewed today and said, you know, I've been in the position before, and not only does it take a lot to come back and be there physically, but you have to build up that strength again. 
Yeah, right. They're not so, putting him on the short-term IR, which is not, good news. No, they're so not. They, right, they do hope he can come back. Just a look at their upcoming schedule. They're at Seattle. Then they have versus Dallas at home, versus Tampa Bay at home. Then they head to Jacksonville at Chicago, and then versus Arizona. What's their record in that stretch? Three and three. Three and three, so you have them against Tampa, Arizona, and Jacksonville. Jacksonville seat. The only reason that I don't, I think it's plausible, but the only reason I don't give them a win versus Jacksonville is I think that defense is, I mean, at this point, that'll be six, seven weeks through the season. And if Jacksonville turns it around a little bit, it's going to be a game that they need at home with a quarterback who, you know, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he's definitely no Drew Brees. But that being said, I think three and three, two and four is definitely reasonable. However, with Breeze, you're looking at possibly winning all these games. So you yep. you guys are right. I mean, definitely a huge hit to their offense. Sure, he's a force to be reckoned with. Um, so that is last week's news. Let's look ahead to week three. Who are some teams that have must win games if that's possible in week three? Someone who stands out to me right off the bat are the Jags. Yeah, I mean the Jaguars going up against the Titans. It's a divisional game, um, and they're o- they're zero two. They almost won last week. Fournette was just like a hair short on that two point. Oh, I know. Attempt. Oh, it cost me my fantasy game. I'm well aware <laughs> that Leonard Fournette, the power back, gets stuffed on any given occasion. Him and Joe Mixon. You're costing me if you're listening to this, Joe Lenny. Come on, guys. I'm I like, sure he's I, listening. I, to I like Arthur Mixon. He's fun to watch. Uh, I don't think they beat Tennessee. I think the Jags are one of those like fun bad teams at the moment. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything fun. In fact, all the Florida teams are shit shows. I'm glad James is in here because I know he would be telling me, "Oh, the Bucks have the same record as the Eagles." <laughs> but the, yeah, Florida's not great at football right now. I don't know. I I see Jacksonville pulling it out. I liked what I've seen from from Gardner Minshew. Um, I think that. As a sixth-round pick, he's someone who was hyped coming into college and then had to go to Washington State, and, you know, things kind of transpired there. But He almost like he almost transferred to Alabama because he didn't think he could ever be in the NFL. He wanted to just be a coach, so he'd be behind Tua and Jalen Hurts just learning. And then he went to Washington State, and Mike Leach turned his career around, and now he's in the NFL. And I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, <laughs> there was a adult entertainment company called Cam Soda, I believe, that he is now a sponsor for, and there is penis puppets. Nice. That is like a sock that you put over your genitals, and you, it's like a shark. It's a vampire. Uh, you should go check that out. But Gardner Minshew so that's is a now. Big dick energies. I'm looking for it. That is what I'm looking for. Uh, he is. Um, he's quite the character. Uh, he has the mustache going on. But an- another he's team. Gardner Minshew the second. There's no Gardner Minshew the first. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Boom. Stat Matt certified. But another team that I could see definitely needing a win this week is the Carolina Panthers, uh, and they had a big blow announced that Cam Newton probably is not going to play. He has a sore foot. I think it's a cover for his shoulder. I think he. Fr- I don't think he can throw the ball anymore. I hope I'm wrong. I liked watching Cam play when he was at his best, his MVP year in 2015, and it's sad to watch him struggle. That Thursday night game against Tampa was just really upsetting it was ugly. to watch. I don't like Cam Newton, so I like to see him struggle. You're cheering That's the evil scam of me, Newton. but you I don't call care. Him scam Newton, right? <laughs> I don't care. Are you the one who poisoned the tree? In, oh yeah, in just Auburn. Yeah, the black match on him. Yep. I, I want to revise my fun bad team because it is the Cardinals or the fun <laughs> bad team. Fun bad Ky- team. Ky- Kyler Murray is fantastic to watch, and I, I kind of think Panthers lose. And I know 
I was going to say that I, Arizona hasn't looked terrible. Yeah, they they're, ever since they looked terrible for three quarters against Detroit, and then they looked great in the fourth quarter. They held their own against Baltimore. I think they could absolutely win this game. So I think Kyle Allen is projected to get the start if Cam Newton is not able to go, which I, I don't know if he – I think he's played maybe one other career game in a week 17 where everything was locked up and he just had to play. But – I mean, if they do have Kyle Allen out, out there, I have to think that the Cardinals might be favored at home versus a Panthers team that nothing has gone right for them this week or th- this season at all. No, usually odd years are their forte. Right. Well, without Cam Newton, every year is going to be a down year for them. But that's enough of the bad teams. Let's look at the matchup that I'm most excited about. I think that everyone is most excited about the two hottest teams through two weeks, the Chiefs. Versus the Ravens, or excuse me, Ravens versus the Chiefs. Chiefs are at home for that one. And it really is truly the first measuring stick game between these two hot teams. Well, you talked about big surprises. I don't think anyone expected Lamar Jackson to be this incredible through two weeks. I like Lamar. I think he was crapped on a lot, but this is nuts. And I'll tell you what, John Harbaugh and that coaching staff called it. They said, look, everyone who's saying Lamar Jackson can't be a pocket passer, can't be a good quarterback, you're going to eat crow this year. You're going to see, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's going to be a duel between both of them. I think it's a very fair match, and I'm excited to watch. We talk, People talk about how Michael Vick's incredible like run Atlanta was kind of a, a missed opportunity because Vick admits like he didn't watch any film, and he had all these incredible dynamic plays, but he never could make it consistent because he didn't try. I think we're watching a Michael Vick that would that tries. Yeah, the, and that... Atlanta Michael Vick that tried in and Lamar Jackson. Let me tell you what, that's a petrifying yeah. thought for the rest of the NFL. Have fun in the AFC. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, I truly think that the Ravens, if they win this game, will put their stamp as the team to beat this year. I know the Patriots are good. I know you said that if Kansas City makes a few improvements, they could be the favorite, but... The way that Baltimore can challenge you both vertically and then in the trenches with their run game, they run three tight end sets like it's nothing. Like they have three tight ends who they use. And Mark Andrews, who shout out to our man Greg Barron, looks just like Mark Andrews. (laughs) But Mark Andrews has came out as a dominant tight end this year, and I think it's partially because of the scheme. But when you look at the runners between Lamar Jackson, between Justice Hill, between Mark Ingram... They just have so many ways they can hurt you. And, and, that's and not then even Hollywood the Ravens, Brown, the rookie sensation at wide receiver. It's, right. it's nuts. Well, the Ra- Ravens defense obviously looks solid as well. In the NFL right now, they're second, and is they're only allowing 1.8 yards per rushing attempt. And remember, this game against Kansas City is a rematch of last year where it went to overtime, and Mahomes needed an incredible fourth and long conversion to force overtime. That's true. I actually forgot. So th- we are going to be in for a treat. Uh, right now, the over-under is sitting at 53 are you taking the over or the under? Based on my bold prediction, which we'll talk to you in a bit, I think I had to take the over. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Jewel, over, under, what are you taking? Combined over. score, 53, over. I'm slamming the over, too. It's pretty ambitious, but between these two teams, I think one of them is 31 going— 31 to 27 is over. That's easy. Right. I mean, that, that's a pretty easy take, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of passing in this game, I have a feeling. Baltimore's D, while it has looked good— I think it really gets tested for the first time, and we're going to see what it's made of. But uh, why don't you give me your bold prediction for week three? Pat Mahomes breaks the NFL record of 554 passing yards in a single game. 
which was set all the way back in 1951 by Norm Van Brocklin of the L.A. Rams. Shout out Norm. He also had some time on the Eagles, I believe. Won a title. Um, 60 with us. Yeah, that, not a Super Bowl. that's lasted that long as a passing set is crazy. Right, and... Yeah, I mean, especially considering some of the performances that we've seen, um, especially in the Super Bowl, I think Tom Brady might have been close. I don't know what he ended up with. Five of five. If the Hail Mary was complete, he would have broken it. Right. That would have been so <laughs> terrible. That would have been god-awful. Um, and uh, I think I think Mahomes is going to break it because he's had nuts numbers in the first half of the last two games, and they've been blowouts, and this will stay close, so we'll have to keep throwing. Right. Um, also... Uh, this is a, a little mini bold prediction. Look out for Darwin Thompson to have a huge game. He hasn't gotten many opportunities on that team yet. They drafted him. He's this tiny receiving back, uh, but both Damian Williams and LaShawn are a little banged up, and I think Andy's going to want to unleash his new toy in, Dar- in Darwin Thompson. My bold prediction, though, is that James Washington of Pittsburgh will have over 100 receiving yards and a touchdown versus the 49ers. Uh, the Steelers, aside from Juju, and even with Juju, have had trouble with their receiving core passing the ball as a whole. James Washington was uh, a college teammate of Mason Rudolph, so I think that they're going to link up. We saw last year with C.J. Beathard and George Kittle. Those two guys got thrown into the fire together. They were old college teammates, and we all know what type of numbers Kittle put up. So that's what I'm looking for. Jewel, do you have one? I honestly, I don't have any bold predictions, but I do think the matchups this week are all going to be really fun to watch. I do. Yeah, I agree. How about this for a bold prediction? Just because quarterbacks are dropping like flies, too. Right. It's always interesting. But here's my other bold prediction would be Antonio Brown stays out of the news for one whole week. <laughs> um, I can't count on that one happening, though. All right, guys, speak some facts to me. Jerry Jones said it's flawed with angle issues. For years and years and years, I've told people about the frailties of cameras. Cameras just don't tell the full story. When asked about how he feels about replay review, is he speaking facts? Partially, from the sense that the fact that soccer has goal line technology where they can detect the ball going over the end line and tennis can get it to the millimeter whether a shot's in or out. The fact that we don't have some chip in the football to determine whether something crosses or not is nuts, and camera angles can lie in certain situations. But overall, absolutely cameras are fantastic for <laughs> replay review. Just put, we need a better, we need everyone to have not just the pylon cam right on it, but one like from a higher angle too. This is like the most boomer take ever. Like, how can you go and say, I mean, and granted, what your point is valid, but this is from a larger quote. Um, he was on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and this was a part of a larger monologue where he then goes to sputter on and say, yeah, I remember the good old days where uh, baseball ump- umpire used to tell me, oh, how do you know if it's a ball or strike? Oh, it's a strike if I call it a strike, and it's a ball if I call it a ball. That's the way it should be. Like, Jerry, we now have, like you said, goal line technology where we could put a chip in the ball and tell when it crosses the goal line by a quarter of a millimeter. Okay, so maybe he backward, you know, ass forward walks into a right take that maybe we could be doing more than just cameras. Dennis Erickson lost his job as a Seahawks head coach because they called, I forget who the Jets quarterback was, I think it was Cincinnati. He ran to for a touchdown on fourth and goal when he was clearly a full yard short in Week 17, Seahawks missed the playoffs. He got fired because of that. 
if we can stop people from getting fired by getting the calls correct, you have to do it. Like, this is, like, legit, not just, oh, the sport. Like, people lose their jobs. Literally, yeah. like, get their lives yeah. right over it. That's so messed up. All right, on to the next. ESPN's Dave Fleming said, a guy who's got a chance to go down as one of the great running backs in the history of college football. When speaking about Wisconsin's running back, Jonathan Taylor, is he speaking facts? So I really like Jonathan Taylor. As I said prior, I think he can be one of the best running backs coming out of this draft class. But... You just need to take a step back and look at Barry Sanders' stats with, for his time in college. I think Oklahoma State. Is, yeah. is, uh, so uh, just go ahead and Google Barry Sanders' college stats, and you tell me who the best running back in the history of college football is. And Taylor's not even second or third or fourth or fifth. So, like, I don't know if this was just, like, a clickbaity thing that he said, but, I, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is no more than your run-of-the-mill Basically, Melvin Gordon. Right, he's Melvin Gordon, which is a very good running back. I do think if he was at a huge school like Ohio State or Alabama or USC, he'd be getting way overhyped. And since he's at Wisconsin, he's not getting the overhype. But he's a really good running back. It's just... He's a really good running back. Right. I mean, he's not <laughs> better it. than Reggie Melvin Bush. He's not making millions than... of, he's going to make millions of dollars from some team. Like, this is a really good situation he'll be, to be He'll in. be a great NFL player. Right, we agree. All right, so Greg Popovich on Team USA's loss. Some people want to play the blame game because we didn't win the gold medal. That's a ridiculous attitude. It shows that whoever thinks that doesn't respect all the other teams in the world and doesn't respect that these guys did the best they could. Is he speaking facts? Um, I mean, I don't know. I I understand that they did the best they could. Uh, I'm not discounting the effort. <laughs> but, however, they still lost when 95% of the top NBA talent is from y- the U.S. Yeah, like, so, what the hell is this, amateur hour? Like, you're in the M- NBA. Yeah, well, like, almost amateur hour. It's the same thing. Boston Celtics hour. They they, they overlap. But, um, I mean, I do feel bad because Miles Turner had something to say. Like, you know, never question my heart, blah, 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 blah. We, you know, I, I respect that these guys are going out for their country when no one else would. And that is commendable. However, what's not commendable is getting beat up on some guy whose last name ends with V-I-C and is from, I don't know, who, who do they end up losing to? They is it Serbia? Serbia, yeah. And in the, France. In the fifth, they also France and then Serbia. France first and then Serbia, but the Serbia game, not many players were playing. So, you know what, Greg Popovich, he does speak some facts here. Like, I will say that um, I think that people should be respecting their effort. However, I think people still are right in being upset that they didn't win the gold medal. Yeah, they they clearly the most talented of any team. They didn't practice together as much as other international teams do. And I honestly think Popovich might not be the best coach for Team USA just because the Spurs and Popovich's system relies on player trust and you have people who don't play together that often you're not going to get that that leads to losses and it's not like the 04 Olympic team which was a complete disaster when they got only got bronze like they these were people who tried really hard and just and the international games better but it's embarrassing that we lost to to France and then Serbia coaching all those alphas under one roof is really difficult, especially when a lot of them even have heat with each other in the regular season. So it's like, okay, we have low-key animosity with each other, but we have to bring it together now because we're on the same team. Right. Well, helps when, as I said, it's Team Boston Celtics and they still can't get it done. But we'll see what happens in the regular season. All right, guys, let's head to the countdown. Number five. The number of kicks Adam Vinatieri has missed this season, super uncharacteristic. Um, I thought he was going to retire on Monday, which is partially the reason I put this in here, but he ended up not retiring, um, and he's just still, 
I, I guess going to play out the season. If he misses some more kicks, it would be terrible. I think that it's he would. Sad to watch. They would. They would make him retire or like tell him, "Look, we're going to cut." It's you like watching if you don't like retire. a great pitcher in his last year just getting battered. Yep. It's it's sad. Yeah. Number four. The amount of touchdown passes Pat Mahomes had in the second quarter on Sunday's game against Oakland. I watched Red Zone during this. It was crazy. Every time they just flipped to his 50-yard touchdown, 50, they're all long bombs. It was nuts. Can I ask who Demarcus Robinson is? Like, who is the guy had a, a Sammy Watkins-esque day. I picked up Sammy. This is the only reason I'm upset, of course. <laughs> I picked up Sammy Watkins, and every time I see the ball being bombed down to someone with the number that starts with one and the dreads, I'm like, oh, it's Sammy Watkins. And it was this Demarcus Robinson guy every time. I think Chiefs wide receivers with Hill out is kind of like how Patriots running backs have been over the past five years. Yeah, I mean, granted, Watkins did get the lion's share of the targets with 10, but still a little disappointing. Number three. The number of consecutive week two losses for the Eagles, uh, and that is the past three years at Kansas City, at Tampa Bay, and at Atlanta. I distinctly remember the Kansas City game because Kareem Hunt was sleeping on the ball in the end zone, and then Kelsey... Uh, had a great hurdle. He had a great hurdle and then ends up doing their Kelsey, not our Kelsey, not the Eagles' Kelsey. Ended up doing the Eagles' like bird celebration, and I remember that really rubbed me the wrong way. Eventually, the Eagles got the last laugh in that year. It was a tough loss yesterday, or Sunday, not yesterday. Uh, but it's at Atlanta, tough game. They came back, almost got it, but they just need to bounce Real back. Next. Up they, too, yeah. I think they'll back. be able to bounce back and pull it out. But Number two. The amount of teams in the last decade that have had five players to hit 30-plus home runs, that's the 9 Phillies and the 2019 Twins. The Twins are just tearing the cover off the ball. They set the record for most home runs, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's really not With too much of a like surprise. like a whole month to play. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah, that is messed up. Breakdown number one. The number of games Drew Brees has missed due to injury with the Saints. Um, he has been protected pretty well for a smaller guy, and really it took a freak injury. Like, it's not even because he's getting older. That injury that happened... Um, with his hand smacking into Donald's really could have happened at any point in his career. If you told any NFL analyst that he'd only missed one game with the Saints over the next 12 years, they'd all laugh in your face based right, on back the then. shoulder yeah, stuff that was the, coming out. I mean, that's nuts. We're going to get to see. Now, we're going to get to see how good Sean Payton truly is without a Drew Brees. But that is all the time that we have here today, guys. Let's head down to at the buzzer. Jewel, do you have anything? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm really excited. I know we still have to take on this week, but next week's matchup between Green Bay and Philadelphia. A good one. Obviously, my heart's in Green Bay, but I am a Philadelphia girl, so I always, you know, I back, back the home team. It, regardless, I do think it's going to be a great matchup, so yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Uh, for me, mine's a little sad. Um, Addy Barkan is a guy who got diagnosed with, par- uh, with ALS in 2016, right after he had his first kid, and he after that, he became a giant healthcare advocate after his medical bills were like $8,000 despite having health insurance. And he, as his body's deteriorated, he's gone across the country advocating for healthcare rights. He's interviewed almost all the major Democratic presidential candidates about healthcare plans. And he's going in for really major surgery today on his throat because he's having trouble breathing. So just prayers up to him and hopefully we can all learn from Addie's message of keep fighting for what you believe in. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very noble at the buzzer, Matt. I don't really have anything of note other than to say, hope 
our man James is enjoying his Lil Wayne concert. Huge Lil Wayne fan. Can't you see him doing the hokey pokey there? I can't see him dancing. Can you see him dancing? The hokey pokey? I don't know. Something weird. Is that weird. what you do at rap concerts? Can't you see him doing like the Q-tip, Q-tip, throw it away, throw it away. Like, I can't I, see I him doing I've anything. I have seen James dance. So to be honest, there's a chance that some Q-tip might be going on over there. Uh, but, all right, and that is all the time that we have here today for my main mans, Greg Barron and Kyle Sobieski. For my partner, Jules Schmitz. It's been real, it's been fun, it's been real fun. For my main man, Stat Matt. What's up? These have been the facts. Straight up. 